0: Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Man, we had a good time in 830 service. I believe we're going to have a great time today. Now, you know you've been here and you've been around. If you've come uh, to church uh, any length of time in the last five weeks, you'll know that we've spent these weeks talking about growth talking about being rooted, developing our root system in Jesus. And you know, the Bible this morning is clear that Jesus wants us to walk towards a mature walk in him. He wants us to grow. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, this is the thing that is the reason that I've done this is because, one, I have felt the Lord lead me to do this, but also there has been a, a, a heaviness, a burden on my heart for the church of God, for, for what God's doing, is because there is right now in our midst, in, in Christianity as a whole, is there is a real immaturity within the church. There's real bi- biblical illiteracy, and, and what we have to do, church, is we've got to grow, I'll say it again, just for those of you that were wondering, we have got to grow. Can you say amen? (laughs) The Bible is clear. There's not a lot, you know, there's things in the Bible that you go, "Mm, man, I wonder what that's about. Growth is not one of them. It's very, very clear he wants us to grow in him. Now, let me say something to you. Time in does not equal growth. Growth. You say, well, I've been, around, I've been in church 45 years. That does not mean that you've grown. The width of the trunk is not the measurement. Jesus said it's the fruit that hangs on the branches. There's lots of people that got a great big trunk, but no fruit. And so somewhere what we have to do is we have to change that. We have to begin to grow. Spiritual growth is not an option it is as real and vital to our spiritual life and living as our physical growth is to our everyday life you know we were at uh, breakfast the other day on friday we took little titus out to breakfast and we were sitting there and it was a moment we had a great time, and he's eating his pancakes. And as he's fiddling around with his pancakes, we're just kind of being quiet. Kathy kind of motions to me to pay attention and listen. And there's little Titus, and he's singing his ABCs. And I mean, he's getting beyond A, B, C, D. He's like, you know, way back in the Qs and R's and S's and all of that. And, and I mean, he's, he knows his ABCs. And I looked up at Kathy, and I says, he knows all it. He goes, he's a smart little guy two years old, and I'm thinking, you know, that was a sign of growth. And see, that makes us happy. We rejoice in that. See, why? Because he's growing. What happens is if he's 35 years old and he's still struggling with his ABCs, something's wrong. Can you say amen? And somewhere in Christianity, we never translate that reality. And that's why this morning we've been talking about and taking the time to talk about our root system. Because without a healthy root system in our life, we will be vulnerable to everything that comes our way. We'll be unable to bear the fruit that God's called us to bear. And we will never grow into the people God has called us to be. Look, let me say something to you very, very carefully. You are not an accident, You are here on purpose. I'm gonna get into that here in just a minute, but listen to what I'm saying. Your life matters. It means something. You are not just a number on a roll. You are not just a name in a book. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? We are on purpose. And God wants us to grow. With that in mind, I want you to listen to these verses, these passages of Scripture. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19, the Bible says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Listen to that. What is he saying? He's saying, I want you to grow. And, and right in the core of that passage of Scripture is this idea of being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in him. Can you say amen? amen. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 says, as you, therefore, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. That didn't take a whole lot of uh, translation there. We could see that God wants us to grow, and he uses the analogy of a root system. Can you say Amen. See, the process of building our root system, it requires some things, and we've talked about this for a little bit. One of the things that it requires, probably the first thing, excuse me, the first thing it requires is a a wonderful sense and knowledge and understanding, a working of trust in our lives, being able to trust him with all of our heart, to trust him. Now, here's the problem with trust is that oftentimes as Christians, we know that we should trust God. And when things are going well, we do pretty good. I don't know about you, but when the checkbook's got plenty of money, when the cat is healthy and the dog isn't having puppies and the wife is, you know, cooking dinner, we're good. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You know, we're happy when the job is going well and everything, it's easy to trust him. And we shout amen and we go, hey, praise God. But what happens when we come into a season where we don't see the answers that we want to see? What happens when we're being tormented? What happens when we're being picked on? We, there's, there, somewhere along the line, there are some weapons of our warfare that are mighty to, through God to the pulling down of strongholds, and there has to be the application of it, and we have to be able to trust him in it. Can you say amen? Because we don't always see clearly. We don't always see as far. Sometimes life gets a little bit rocky. Amen. And it's in those moments that we've got to trust, and that's where our root system begins to grow, and that's where we begin to thrive through these seasons. It's in the soil of trust. But there's also another thing that we found out, is that our roots need to penetrate deep into the Word of God. The Word of God needs to be our necessary food. Too many people are leaving the Bible unread Listen to me today. We have got to feed on the Word of God. There is nothing in all of creation like the Word of God. Yeah. We've got to feed on it. We've got, to, we've got to allow it to get inside us. And I'm not talking about, listen to me today, because I know people that read the Bible, but it doesn't affect them. I, I knew a guy, I worked with a guy years and years and years ago in needles. I worked with him, and he was an atheist, but he loved the Bible, He thought the Bible was a great poetic book and it was, you know, a great human achievement of literature and he read it all the time. But because there was no application of the word in his life, the word read was unprofitable. There cannot be, you and I cannot approach the word of just putting our time in and going, I'm turning the page, I'm getting through the word. There has to be this ability to study it, to meditate on it, and to apply it to our lives. Can you say amen? Now, as I was thinking about all of this, I got thinking about the process of building this building. Back in in the uh, late 90s, we took the project on to build this building, and when it came time to, to do the job, we were given a set of blueprints, and it was no small undertaking. There, there's 35,000, or 33,500 square feet under roof in this building, and somehow we thought we could handle this. We thought, yeah, we got it, not a problem. And I remember when the blueprints arrived, there were literally hundreds of pages each page revealing yet another aspect of the building. They were, there, there were blueprint pages that detailed how the footers and the foundation was to be made, where, where they were to be disrupt, uh, just, uh, uh, constructed. Uh, there were blueprints for the columns, the beams, the, uh, how they were to be erected, how the doors and the windows were to be installed. Every wall, every light, every electrical plug, every switch, every measurement in detail specified. These blueprints showed everything to the smallest detail. At times, it was overwhelming to even look at them. I mean, there was times it's like, are we nuts? This is crazy. Why? Why are we doing this? There was too much. To build the building and to realize what God wanted we had to give ourselves to the blueprint. We had to give ourselves to the process. Are you hearing what I'm saying? No matter how difficult, no matter how complicated, no matter how frustrating or even questionable. Because there were some things in the blueprints that did not make sense. We, we used to always joke around that we know how to build metal buildings because we've built four of them. And you say, what? The first three times here was wrong, the fourth time we got it right you know and the reality is is that sometimes it was crazy but we had to give ourselves to that purpose everything was here on purpose and for a purpose in all of those pages the blueprints had one function and that was to reveal the design of the builder And to reveal this design of the building. And that design had an objective is to reveal the intent of the one who designed it. Ultimately, those blueprints represented the potential of what one day could be. Are you hearing that? Those blueprints in their state represented what could be, that had yet to become. We had to make a decision that said we're going to follow the blueprint so that we can see what we've purposed in our heart. Can you say amen? And it was our job to let the blueprint lead us into what was <coughs> yet unknown to us. Are you catching my idea? So it is with you and I. We are created by design, with a purpose and a destiny in mind. We are created this morning with significant potential to be much more than we can imagine. This is the thing that is so discouraging is how many Christian people who are saved and filled with the presence of God live at a level of life that is infinitely below what was paid for. Jesus paid for the penthouse and we are living in the outhouse why I know that, that, that I know that's on the edge of being a little rough but that's what's so discouraging you are filled with all the fullness of God Jesus is filled with all the fullness of God bodily He lives in you by his spirit. Isn't that Bible? That's what it says. There's something in there, in you, that's so big it's unknowable. In the verse we looked at, he says, Know the love of God, which is unknowable. How do you know Something that is inexhaustible. How does something infinite live in something finite? That's the mystery of God in us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We are not some random act of chemistry. We are the crowning achievement of our Father in heaven. In Genesis chapter two, verse seven, it says, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. There is such a wonderful revelation in this verse that we need to see and it's the intentionality of God concerning our lives. God was intentional when he made you. You're not an accident. And too often we live with a disconnect Concerning God's, involve, God's involvement in our existence. We know he created mankind. We even know that he's working in the world. But did he intend my life to be here? Too often we think, think in times of fate or randomness. But let me tell you something. God planned you. Amen. He placed you in the body as it pleases him. See, too often we look for circumstances to define our lives rather than the intention of our heavenly Father. Listen to me. God is wrapped up in every detail of your life. You've got to understand that. Now now that we've set that stage, I want you to listen to our text, to what our texts say. In Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, who leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Listen, in the very front part, first part of this verse, he is talking about the man's intention. He made a decision the way he was going to live. I'm going to live godly. I'm not going to stand or walk in the counsel of the ungodly. I'm not going to stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful, but I'm going to meditate in your word. The result is he's like a tree. He is the planting of the Lord, and there is prosperity, there's health, there is abundance. Everything he needs is right there. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Once again, there is an intention, there is a purpose, it's on purpose, it's for a purpose. God has a plan. Can you say Amen. Now, there is one more verse that I want you to look at, and I want you to consider as we move on into the next step of our growth in our roots. It says this in Psalm 91, verse 1, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Listen to that. Once again, talking about intentions talking about a design, talking about a plan. He who dwells. When you dwell in something, it's on purpose. You don't show up. It's not like we get randomly beamed into somewhere and go, I guess, I guess this is where I dwell. No, that's not it. We make decisions about, when you're traveling, you make a decision about the hotel you stay in, don't you? When you, when you go to family's house, you, or when you go visit family, you make a decision. Am I gonna stay with the family, or am I gonna stay in a hotel? Why? Well, because there's some real issues that we got to discuss. There's an intention. Where am I going to dwell? And so the question is, what is the secret place? What are we intending on dwelling in? He calls it the secret place. But what is it? Well, the secret place boils down to this. It's our relationship with our Father in heaven. Are you hearing me? Listen. It's our relationship. See, relationship is paramount. You cannot grow outside of a relationship with God. You cannot. You cannot say that I am a growing Christian doing the work of the Lord without a relationship with him. Now, as we consider this, I want you to, I'm kind of moving a little methodical through this. I want you to consider this with me. Whatever goes in at the beginning, whatever goes into our foundation, our root system, it matters greatly. If we're talking about being intentional and having a plan and blueprints and all of this, and we're talking about growing and, and putting down roots, then we probably ought to pay attention to what's in, the, in it. Can you yeah. say amen? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Why? Because it affects everything. I remember when we were in construction, one of the things that you learn very early on when you're a concrete guy is whatever comes out in the concrete is gonna show up in the roof. Right. If your concrete goes like this, guess what your roof is gonna do? And it's always, there's kind of a funny thing is because concrete guys go, well, the framers will take care of it. All you concrete guys know what I'm talking about. No, you framers know what I'm talking about. And then the framers go, all the drywall dudes will take care of it. And then the, then it's like, oh, we'll roll the trusses. No, trust guys, you're going to take care of it. Yeah. But the reality is all we're doing is moving one problem to the next stage. And the truth is what, what we put in at the beginning matters. Yeah. See, God wants us to build our root system with the right ingredients in the right order. Yeah. If there's anything that I've learned in construction, it matters how and when you do things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. You know, it's, it's amazing to me, you know, you will never show up on a job site and have, you know, and have a, you know, the slab poured and then the, the guys come out and go, okay, we're going to hang the trusses. <laughs> You're going to hang them on what? Right. It doesn't work. Well, we're going to put the electric in, into What? There are things that are intentional and what we have to be is intentional about this. And so there are some real ingredients to this root system in our relationship with God. One of them is marked by intimacy. One of them is dependency, faith, and rest. All of these things are part of our root system and the question is where do we find the materials for that root system? We find it in our relationship. And our relationship at its most fundamental level is established in prayer. And I want you to listen to me. I know, I know you're probably thinking, because I thought it. So, you know, the devil comes along and goes, oh, here he goes again. You know, prayer, 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 prayer. I've heard about prayer. I know, we gotta pray. I did, I prayed for my salad before I ate it. Oh, you boy. Know, can, I, can I just get honest? <clears throat> You know what bugs me about me? I'm just going to use myself as an example. It doesn't take much for me to complain. And I know that's hard for you to believe. <laughs> but don't take much for me to complain. and Oftentimes, I, I can, I can get, a, get to a point, it's like, why won't God move? And God, is word, his word says that he does this. Why won't he do it? Come on, God. And he's not moving. Jesus came to the disciples and the disciples were trying to cast a demon out of this little boy and it wouldn't go. And Jesus looked at the disciples and says, this one comes out by prayer and fasting. In other words, you need to prepare for this. Am I meddling now? In other words, maybe what you ought to do is instead of worrying about God's part We should maybe take look at our part. Yes. Who's serving who here? I thought God was serving me. Well, after all, Jesus came and says, I came to serve, not to be served. So get after it, Jesus. That, see, that don't even sound right, does it? It's like, whoa, man, you look out for the lightning. It's going to get you see but that 's but sometimes that 's what ends up being our heart it 's like why isn 't God moving it 's probably because you 're not praying now I know you know once again i I, I sit here and, and I have to be careful because oftentimes you can you can make people feel bad and it's, you can put them in a situation where it 's all about works and i 'm not talking about works i 'm not talking about that there is some place in your life it 's put you you know do your prayer calisthenics. I'm talking about you having an active, living, breathing relationship with the Father in heaven. I'm talking about that you've spent time with him. Can you say amen? See, after being anointed king, David returned to the field and his sheep. And the field is where David entered into his secret place. It was in that place that he built intimacy. It was there that he learned to thrive in a relationship with God. See, developing that secret place is critical to our process. Getting alone with him. Amen. Because it's in that place that God does his greatest work. See, the greatest work that's going to be done in your life is not going to be done in public. It's going to be done in private. It's going to be in the secret place, in the closet of your prayer life. And as we intentionally draw near to God in prayer, there are two things that begin to develop. The first is the priority of love. One of the things that happens when you begin to spend time with the Father in prayer. Love becomes the motivation of your life. Listen to me, church. Everything in your life must be birthed from the revelation of his love for you. Are you hearing me? God desires to draw close to you. He wants to reveal his love. He wants to. Listen, Psalm 63, verses 1 through 3, it says, Oh God, you are my God. Here's here's the psalmist David's writing. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Why? Because your loving kindness is better than life my lips shall praise you. Here's the psalmist. He says, I have come to a place where I crave God because God's loving kindness is better than life itself. Our problem, church, is we have too many distractions and options. I had something happen to me um, last week that is kind of embarrassing, and it was kind of a wake-up call for me. Thursday, I come home from, from, from uh, office, it's about 1.30 or so, 2 o'clock, and I go into my office at home, and I sit down to my computer, I'm going to work on some, uh, my bills and bookkeeping and stuff, and so I go to turn the internet on, you know, go click into the internet, get to the bank, and all of that, and the internet's not working. Well, that's not unusual, it's not, necessary. so I go to the modem in the other room, and I unplug it, wait 60 seconds, plug it back in, still not going on. Still not going out. So I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe something's up. But I walk down to the mailbox, and in the mailbox, there's this letter that's addressed to me. And it's from Sudden Link. And in the letter, it says, hey, uh, you, got, you sent a letter to us about the payment and blah, blah, blah. Your, your account is, is overdue by $233 and blah, 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 and all this stuff, and we're shutting you off. And by George, they did. And there's a whole story behind that, but I won't even get into that. What I want you to know is I begin to panic. I'm like, we don't have internet. What are we going to do? I mean, I am starting to palpitate. I'm, I'm, I, I drove down to the church, and I don't know why. I, I drove down here. I'm like, well, i got to figure this out. i got, what, I got to pray. What's, what's, God, we don't have internet. And in the back of my mind, I'm hearing this calm down. You can read a book. I'm thinking they're all online as I'm standing in my office with a thousand books on my shelf. And I am am actually sweating. I'm panicked. How am I going to play Angry Birds? You have to log in. My little baby bird that I have to feed every day. I feed him ten apples that I collect through the game every day. My baby bird's gonna die. I gotta go down to the church and get online. I what am I gonna do? And I am freaking out. And it was at that point that it dawned on me that I may have an addiction. And I might be a little bit distracted. <laughs> So even with that, I still went to Sutton Link, and they said, "If you pay ninety-six dollars, we'll turn it back on." Here's ninety-six bucks. Turn it on. Within an hour, it was back on. Thank God, I was able to rest. But you know what I did? Is I I I I had a wake-up call, and I stopped and I said, "You know what, God? I need to spend some time with you. I need to read your Word." I need, to get, I, need, I need to realize that, you know what, it's okay. God help us if our technology fails because we're not going to know what to do. Some of you guys out there know what I'm talking about. Even some of you older folks know what I'm talking about. We need to get back to where we're spending time with God. Can you say amen? That's what he's wanting to do. As you spend time with God in the secret place, you know what happens? Things that he cares about, you begin to care about. His way of doing things becomes your way of doing things. Jesus begins to rub off on you. You think like he does. You act like he does. You love like he does. He begins to rearrange the priorities of your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's in the secret place of prayer that you encounter his love for you and where your love for him is ignited. ignited. It's where your roots, the root system of, your, of love begin to grow and, and is developed. Listen to Ephesians 3 again. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. How do you get rooted and grounded in love? By spending time with him. Yes. See, when you stop living from your secret place, the temptation to be motivated by other things begins to creep in. Amen. All kinds of things. For you, it might be the internet. For others, it might be work. For others, it can be children. (laughs) That's a whole other sermon. You know, we pray for Amy every night. We pray for her husband She doesn't have a boyfriend yet. But we're praying for her husband. There's some criteria that we have. Number one is that he is saved. Number two, that he loves God more than he would love her. And that he would love her like Christ loved the church. And one of the things that we have found out, Kathy and I have found out, is that I cannot love my wife and I cannot love my children the way I'm called to if I don't love God more than all of them. And he said, how do you get there? You have to spend time with him. There is no shortcut to it. You have to spend time with him in his presence. He said, so, how do you do that? You do that through prayer. He said, well, I don't know how to pray. That's why praying in the spirit is so wonderful. Because the Bible says praying in the Holy Ghost, you build up your most holy faith. You pray with a language that's unknown. You don't know. It's not known to you. But the Holy Spirit gives you utterance. And as you pray in that, in that spirit, there's something that begins to get birthed. And when you stop living in that place, you begin to move on to other things. And you begin to think, you know what, I can do this without him. And if you don't think that's common, listen to this. Revelations chapter two, verses one through four says this, to the angel of Ephesus. Now remember, that's the church we just got done reading about being rooted and grounded in love. Write these things and say, he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lamps, stand. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil and that you have tested those who say they're apostles and are not and have found them liars and you have uh, persevered and have had patience and have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. It is possible to still serve God with passion and with evidence and not be in love with him. So how do I keep the flame burning? There is only one way that I know that you can keep the flame burning in any relationship. When When I think about how do I keep the flame burning with my wife... It's by paying attention to my wife. It's by being with her. When I'm with her, I'm in love with her. I'm not distracted. When I'm with him, I'm in love with him. It's by staying in time. You say, well, what do I do? You you find some alone time and you make it consistent through your life. The second thing that develops in this secret place as we intentionally draw near to God in prayer is he reveals to us what he is doing in the world, and listen, and what our part in it is. If there is a question that is probably the most common that I'm asked throughout the, any given week, it's this, Pastor, what should I do? I don't know what I'm called to. What, what does God want me to do? And it can come in various forms. It can come in various intensities. Sometimes it can be so intense that people want me to define who they are. Amen. But that's not my job. It's not my job to define who you are or your calling. That's God's job. He said, well, how do I find this out? You find this out by being alone with him. Listen to Matthew chapter six, verse six. It says, but you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now chase this thought out. See, he's waiting for us in the secret place and we need to find him in the secret place and he wants us to be with him. Do you know that God wants you? We're approaching 8 billion people on the planet, yet God wants to be a part of your life. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. He's waiting for us in the secret place. In Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, it says, and he went up on the mountain and he called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed 12 that he might be with you know, that they might be with him, that they might, and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal the sick and to cast out demons. Jesus's goal was not just to pass on information. He wanted them, and he wanted to be with them, so that he could impart himself to them. And once he did that, he revealed the plan he had for them. Are you seeing that? He called them up. He says, I want you to be with me so that I can give you me so I can send you out there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, the most strategic thing that you can do in your life is to plant yourself in the secret place with God, making a habit of time alone with him. See, Jesus not only led from this place, but he lived from that place. See, the secret place lifestyle of Jesus, it actually challenged the disciples to live in the same place of prayer. See, the disciples were constantly waking up in the morning and Jesus was gone. They didn't know where he was at. Sometimes he had stayed up all night. Other times he had gotten up real early and went to a secluded place. But when they found him, they found him praying. And when they did that enough, that began to move on them. And this is what they said, teach us to pray like you. Teach us to pray. They wanted what he had. He was beginning to rub off on them. They begin to locate themselves in the work of God. Can you say amen? Amen. See, God has not just called us simply to work for him. <coughs> He's called us to partner with him in relationship. Are you hearing me? Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. We all remember John the Baptist, don't we? Now, I want you to listen to this. This, this passage of scripture is very revealing. It says in John 1, 19 through 23, it says, Now this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from, the, from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. In other words, what's happening, they came and said, Hey, you know, we, we wanna, you kind of got our attention. You're a little odd. You know, you eat wild locusts and honey, and you have a goat hair or camel hair suit. You're, you're a little out there. We just like to know who you are. Are you the Messiah? He says, no, I'm not the Christ. Then they asked, well, what then? Are you Elijah? He says, I am not. Are you the prophet? No. Nope. Then, then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? Who do you, he, he says, what do you say about yourself? He says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. In other words, because he had been alone in the secret place, had spent time alone with God, he discovered that he was the voice. He was the forerunner to Christ. He was the one that would identify that the Messiah is here. He had clarity. I often pray and hear people ask me to pray. I need clarity. Clarity comes when you spend time with him alone. Amen it becomes very clear. Church, there is no other way. You can't say, well, I'm going to try to see if I could get it some other way. You can't read a book. You can't do uh, a calisthenics. You're not going to find a prophet. You're not going to find a church that's going to give you what you need. You have to be alone with him. Can you say amen? Church, this whole thing, as I bring this to a close, this whole thing is about growing in him. The thing that just... Scares me, and when I say scares me, probably a better word is concerns me because I see it active in my life, but I see it active in the church. See, there are things that God wants to do, God really does want to save people. You know, we can't speak for other cities, but we could speak for Kingman, and there's a lot of people here that are in desperate need of a savior. There are people that are broken and hurting. They need Jesus. They need a father that will love them. But what they also need is they need a church that says, look, we're done playing. We're done, done just mark, you know, putting our time card in and doing our spiritual duty on the weekend. We're, we, we're, we wanna grow. We want roots to go down deep. We wanna be with you, Jesus, Jesus. We want to walk with you and talk with you, not so that we can go be super spiritual and lorded over people. We want you to rub off. We want your compassion. When when you saw the multitudes and were moved with compassion, we want that to happen to us. We want to see the homeless and the broken. We want to see the people that are hurting. And we want to be moved with compassion. And listen to me, church. I'm almost done. You know, oftentimes we look at areas of our city like Birdland and different places and, and you know, pe- places that have notoriety. And we say, well, that's where we ought to focus our attention. Let me tell you something. There's as many broken people in Rancho Santa Fe as there are in Birdland. What this city needs is it needs a church church. We need to be, and this is not a statement against any other church. Please don't misunderstand me. I appreciate the great men of God that we have in Kingman and the churches where people are truly serving God. The church of Jesus Christ needs to rise up and be the church of Jesus Christ, where people are spending time with God, where Jesus is rubbing off, where we got deep roots that we're not moved with every wind of doctrine, where we're not thrown off by every little offense. Don't you get tired of that? I mean, you somebody stubs their toe and now it's... You know, that has so permeated our society. You know, the polarizing effect of the left and the right, if you know what I'm talking about. You know, it's, you know we, we, we wonder what's, what's happening. Well, what's happening is the church hasn't spent time with God. But when you see pockets of it, when you see where there's real revival happening, where people are getting saved and touched and Holy Spirit's showing up and there's a genuine presence, you can guarantee there's a group of people, there's there's people that are spending time with God. They're in His presence. There's something about the presence that changes everything. Church, I, I I I've gone through so many different things and calisthenics, and you know, I'm a real big list person. And so when I went into prayer, I used to have all these big lists and stuff. I don't anymore. Sometimes I just go in and just I just pray in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I worship, sometimes I do both. Sometimes I try to just be quiet before it know was funny and I, I ended with this my wife my wife gets up every morning at like 430 in the morning and she spends time in the, the other bedroom in, in prayer with God and one day she went into the bedroom and we had been up pretty late so she didn't get much sleep maybe two three hours <clears throat> but she's committed and so she gets up and she goes into prayer and she's on the bed there in the other room and she's praying and lo and behold she fell asleep and about a half hour, 45 minutes later, she wakes up and she went, oh Jesus, I'm so sorry. I fell asleep in your presence. And it was such a wonderful time for her because she really got, she says, I really, that 45 minutes was the best rest of her life. And she said, "She said the Holy Spirit just began to speak to her and says, that's okay. He said, do you remember when Amy was little and she would crawl up into your lap and you would hold her and she would fall asleep and you just looked at her and watched her sleep? He goes, that's what we did today. Amen. He goes, I know you're tired. Amen. And he said, but you crawled up in my lap and I held you close and let you rest. Church, that is, that is so powerful. See, we make it about so many other things. We, we make it about all this rigmarole that God's like, I'm not into all that. I'm in a relationship. Let's hang out. Come oh, on, man, let's, let's have some good times. Let's, let's enjoy one another's company. And church, if we're going to grow, we've got to trust him. Amen? We've got to get into that word. And then we've got to spend time with him. Can you say amen? Bow your heads. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you so much. And I pray, Lord, for everyone that's in this room. Lord, that you, God, would just pour yourself out upon them. Father, that you would help them, encourage them. Father, give us a hunger for being in your presence, to be alone with you. Lord, help us not to get distracted, but Lord, to, to come back to priority with you, God. Father, we love you. We love you. We thank you so much. We give you all the glory and all the honor.